scripture reading uh, ecclesiastic chapter 10 from 1 to 11 i repeat chapter 10 1 to 11 dead flies make the perfumes ointment give off a stench so little folly outweighs wisdom and honor a wise man heart inclines him to the right but a fool's heart to the left even when a fool walk on the road he lacks sense so he says to everyone that he is a fool if anger of a ruler rises against you do not leave your place for calmness will lay great offense to rest there is an evil that i have seen under the sun as it is were an error proceeding from the ruler folly is a folly is set in many high places and the rich sit on the low places I have seen slaves on the horses and princes walking on the ground like a slaves he who digs a pit will fall into it and a serpent will bite him he breaks through a wall he who quiets a stone in is hurt by them and he who splits long and endanged by them if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the urge he must use more strength but the wisdom helps one to succeed if the serpent bites before it is charmed there is no advantage to the charmer let's pray gracious heavenly father thank you so much uh, that you're going to speak to us through the scriptures a lot lord as we are uh, as you chosen to speak to us through raven the lord thank you for the give uh, give him the wisdom and knowledge as as you are speaking to us prepare our hearts lord as the word sown in our heart a lord let's sat and not take away from the heart of god and let it be grown until the ages lord i pray in the name of jesus christ amen morning morning good morning good morning all right it's good to see you all and uh, it's a beautiful morning I see a lot of visitors today, so some of them I know. So let me say this, that uh, one Sunday in a month we go through Ecclesiastes, and about for the last two years we have been going through the entire book of Ecclesiastes. We've reached chapter 10. Um, I think it's been a series of about 16 or 17 sermons. Uh, on other Sundays we go through other books as well. So today we will be looking at the book of Ecclesiastes and... Uh, As is clear from the reading, it will be chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. Chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. So let me begin with an illustration here. There was a woman by the name of Colleen Cudney in Michigan, in the U.S. She was once caught in the year 2012, driving under influence of alcohol. And then she was put on probation immediately. And the terms of a probation... were these number 1 that she should never drink alcohol in her life number 2 she needs to go through random breathalyzer tests and pass the test every time she goes through them but in the in the month of march 2014 she boldly posted a facebook post and she said in that post i drank last night and i also went through a breathalyzer test and i passed and the local police department was going through the facebook posts they caught her 
because she violated her terms of probation, they put her in prison. Now, Colleen Cudney displayed lack of wisdom in at least a couple of things. Number one is the obvious thing where she went and put on a public forum what she ought not to have, be, uh, have put. The second thing is that she had a choice not to drink. And she knew she had a problem with drinking. But she anyway went ahead and drank and she violated the terms of probation. Lack of wisdom. Lack of wisdom, in other words, is also called folly or foolishness. But generally, when we think about the difference between one who is wise and one who is a fool, we think the difference is in terms of intelligence or IQ. But one's intelligence or level of education does not determine whether somebody is wise or a fool. There are many intelligent, well-educated people who are fools. And on the other hand, there are people with little or no education at all and who are very wise as well. We also tend to believe that those people in high places are always wise. And those people who occupy lowly places are always foolish. Well, let me ask you something. If you had two people standing next to each other, right here next to me, and one is an atheistic professor who has four PhDs from four prestigious institutions in the country. On the other hand, you have a devout Christian who serves at a cash counter at McDonald's in Bangalore. Who do you think is wise here? Is an atheistic professor more wiser or wiser than the devout Christian who believes in God? You see, according to scriptures, the difference between a wise man and a fool, according to the Bible, the difference between a wise man and a fool is not determined by one's intelligence or one's education or one's IQ levels, but it is determined based on your response to God. And that's why the Bible boldly proclaims in Proverbs 1.7 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And fools despise wisdom and instruction. Psalm 14 verse 1 says, The fool has said in his heart that there is no God. It is a fool who has said in his heart that there is no God. Now if you remember, Solomon's own life exemplified a sharp contrast between wisdom and foolishness. Because Solomon was a man of wisdom. When God appeared to him and asked him that he could ask for anything that he wanted, Solomon requested for wisdom. And God said, you would be the wisest man in all of the earth. There would be nobody before you. There would be nobody after you who's as wise as you. He was a man of wisdom. On the other hand, he was also a foolish man. Because he went ahead and married 700 pagan wives and had also 300 concubines. And he went and built altars and high places of pagan deities for all of them. If you remember in the previous passage, Solomon said wisdom has certain vulnerabilities. Wisdom has certain limitations. So we may have certain questions in our minds as we last time listened to the vulnerabilities and limitations of wisdom. And the questions could be, since wisdom has limitations, since wisdom is vulnerable, isn't it best to abandon it? Why don't we abandon wisdom? Or better, why don't we take foolishness seriously? Or why don't we take foolishness as our recourse? Because wisdom seems to have a lot of limitations. 
Solomon tells us that in spite of wisdom's vulnerabilities and in spite of wisdom's limitations, we ought to hold on to wisdom. And he is now going to talk about the dangers that are there in foolishness. So today's passage will reveal to us three dangers of foolishness that you and I need to know to live in this world. Three dangers of foolishness that you and I need to know to live in this world. Solomon gives us three insights about this. The first thing that he is going to talk about is that foolishness can bring disgrace to life. That is in verses 1 through 4. Foolishness can bring disgrace to life. We all know this, that actions, decisions, even thoughts, and the attitudes of our hearts, all of them have consequences. And folly can easily tarnish our whole lives. And so in explaining this, Solomon gives us three insights about this. Let's look at them one by one. Firstly, a little folly can damage good reputation. A little folly can damage good reputation. Look at verse 1. Dead flies make the perfumous ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Let me ask you this question to begin with. Have you ever picked up a glass of iced tea or a cool lemonade and all of a sudden you found floating on the liquid a dead fly? Or you were at a nice dinner party, you were filling up your plate, and there is this nice fish curry, Kerala style, and you, want, and you want to go close to it, and all of a sudden you find floating on it a dead fly. I'm pretty sure if you've had these experiences, you didn't think, let me just take a spoon and just scoop it out of there and eat the rest of the curry, or drink the rest of the lemonade. Right? We, know, we don't think about that. Why is that? Because... There are few things more disgusting in life than a dead fly. And the amazing thing is, it is something so small, and yet it's something so dastardly. At the least, it could give us vomiting. And that's why Solomon says this, dead flies make the perfumous ointment give off stench. And so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. The modern day version of this proverb goes like this, one bad apple spoils... The whole barrel. One bad apple spoils the whole barrel. I want to point out two things here that Solomon is highlighting in this proverb for us. Firstly here, Solomon reminds us that character has a fragrance. And that's why he is comparing the wise man's character, wise man's wisdom, and wise man's honor to a perfumer's oil. Character always smells. Character has a smell that somebody else can whiff. And that's why Solomon here is saying that a wise man has a glorious fragrance about his character. But on the other hand, the fool's character is compared to dead flies. The fool stinks. So that's one of the messages of this proverb. But there's a main message of this proverb that Solomon is giving here. And that is this, that a little folly can do a lot of damage. A little folly can do a lot of damage. He is saying, don't underestimate folly. Don't underestimate folly. A tiny foolish act can destroy powerful fragrance that our character has built up under the grace of God. It could destroy a person's dignity. It could destroy a person's character. It could destroy a person's honor and contributions that he has made. Over and over again, we see in life that giants have been brought down. Giants have been brought down just by a little foolish act that they did in their lives. Folly causes more trouble then wisdom can cause good. I often wonder how often people wished 
they could relive one moment in their life. They could relive one moment in their life that they regret. For example, David certainly would have wished that he didn't have Bathsheba in his life. Saul, uh, Samson certainly would have wished that he didn't have Delilah in his life. Now, when you think about world politics of yesteryears, certainly Richard Nixon would have thought that there was no Watergate in his life. A small look, a little glance, a little flirtatious look, a little dabbling with something that you ought not to dabble with can destroy our lives, can ruin our lives because a little folly destroys a lot of wisdom. A little folly, a little sin destroys the reputation, the character that we've built up over the years. That's the first thing that Solomon begins with. Secondly, Solomon says that folly is evident in the fool's lifestyle. Folly is evident in the fool's lifestyle. Look at verses 2 and 3. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. Let me ask you this question. How many left-handers do we have in church? I know a couple of them here. Oh, there are a lot of you here. Solomon is not talking about you guys, you can be sure. Neither is he talking about the political right and the political left. Let me say this tongue-in-cheek, that Solomon is not giving advice on how to vote in the next election when he talks about right and left. What then is he saying here? In the ancient times, the right was a place of honor, privilege, power, and preferment. Hear me again, please. The right was a place of honor, privilege, power, and preferment. In many languages, the right hand becomes a symbol of skill or success. And no doubt, most of the people in the world naturally are right-handed, and that's why language has developed that way. Even in the Bible, such a language is used of God. For example, in Exodus chapter 15, verse 6, the Bible says, Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. If you remember in Matthew 25, Jesus talked about the parable of the sheep and the goats. The sheep who are uh, the, the people of God and goats who are not the people of God are distinguished there. The sheep are put on his right hand and the goats are put on his left hand. It's the same concept there. Also, our English word dexterity, meaning skill or cleverness, comes from the Latin word for right hand. And also the word sinister, meaning something threatening, something evil, comes from the Latin word for left hand. And I sometimes wonder, is that the reason why we drive on the left in India? <laughs> because in Bangalore we drive on what is left off the road, which is very sinister. <laughs> All of this is no doubt a gross slander on people who are naturally left-handed. I'm sorry about it. But the fact of the matter is that's how language has developed over the years. And even the Bible uses that kind of a language. So have this imagery in mind. Now, with this imagery, Solomon is saying that the wise person goes right, which means the wise person goes God's way, and in doing so, he receives the benefits of a God-centered life. On the other hand, a fool travels in the opposite direction, and thereby he forfeits the advantages of a godly life and a God-centered life. You see, the point that Solomon is making here is this. He is asking, where is your heart leading you? Where is your heart leading you? 
When you read the word heart here, he is not merely talking about emotions. When we think about heart in the modern day world, we think of heart as a seat of emotions. Yes, that's right. But the Bible doesn't think of it merely as a seat of emotions and affections and desires. It is a seat of our will as well. It is our inner man. And so when Solomon is asking the question, where is your heart leading you? He's asking you, where is your will going? Where is your inner man leading you to? So what he's really saying here is this, that the wise man's heart, his inner man, including his will, mind, affections, and everything, will lead him to the right, which is to a place of honor, a place of privilege, a place of preferment, and a place of power, whereas a fool's heart will lead him in the opposite direction, towards sin and towards foolishness. Look at verse 3, what Solomon is saying. Solomon goes on to say here that a fool's character shows even when he is walking along the road. Look at verse 3. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. You see, this is a theme that we've been seeing throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. You can tell a fool by his actions. You can tell a fool by how he behaves and how he speaks. The fool loves foolish songs. The fool has shallow things to say. The fool loves... Uh, Simple laughter, shallow laughter. He's unwilling to listen to advice. He's morally blind as well. And he doesn't talk about God or care about God. But notice the phrase here in verse 3. He walks on the road. He walks on the road. What does that mean? It may be both literal and metaphorical as well. Because in Psalm 1.1, it describes the blessedness of the person who does not walk in the path of sinners. Which tells me, that walking is a metaphor for your lifestyle. It is a metaphor for your lifestyle. And the point here is that the fool cannot hide the inclination of his heart. The fool cannot hide his lifestyle. And it is also interesting here that Solomon describes folly as a deficiency of the heart. There is something lacking in the heart, and that is called folly. And we understand from the book of Proverbs that what is lacking in the heart of a fool is the fear of the Lord. And we just read, it is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's why here Solomon says that the human heart is not whole until it finds in itself the fear of the Lord. So in verse 3 we understand that fool's actions speak for themselves. By poor decision, he announces his status as a fool. And even as he is walking on the road, by his decisions, by his behavior, by his language, by the way he looks, in every way he announces to the world that he is a fool. The third thing that Solomon talks about, folly can make you behave impulsively. Folly can make you behave impulsively. Look at verse 4. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Now, this verse is very important for all of us because most of us have bosses at work. And here, Solomon is talking about a fool who is a boss or a master. It is certainly not uncommon uh, that people in authority are not best qualified always. I think I was talking to Charlie uh, probably a few, ma- a few weeks ago, and we were discussing about Peter Drucker. Peter Drucker once said that everybody is elevated to the status of his incompetence. That's not the case with everyone, but that's what Peter Drucker says. So not everybody who's holding a high position is always qualified. And so here is a fool who's a boss or a master, But Solomon talks about how to address those who are in authority over you and the wise way to respond to them. 
And Solomon here says, the best way to respond to a boss, even a boss who is angry, is to be calm, is to be self-controlled, and is to be patient. Because it is foolish to be impulsive and respond in anger and seek revenge. You know, we all have people leading us, either in government or at workplaces, in our churches, or even in our families. When at certain points, either they are frustrated with you or you are frustrated with them, you are thinking of quitting immediately. You are thinking of resigning and going away. And sometimes in a huff. And Solomon says, this is a foolish thing to do. It is a foolish thing to do. Because the moment you do it, instead of one person being angry, there are two people who are angry here. Your boss is angry, and you are angry at him. There are two people who are angry there instead of one person just being angry. Let me say this, and I say this with a concern for this person that I'm going to talk about. I have a friend. um, He lives in Bangalore as well. He's a church hopper, and I've talked to him about it. He goes to a church, and if he finds some kind of a trouble there or some kind of a problem with somebody, some little conflict, he's looking for another church immediately. And the most he stayed in a church is for a few years, and the least he stayed in a church is for a few months. But in the process, he has missed the chance of being submissive, of growing and learning through those processes and through those challenges and experiences that have come his way. So folly is seen in impulsive behavior. Folly is seen in impulsive behavior. And it's not also very wise to run away from our troubles. We should always be able to face them. Do not hide from the consequences of actions. And even if your boss or the person in authority is angry, your calmness, your easy spirit can ease tensions and lay aside many errors. Don't make things worse is what Solomon is saying. No problem is ever solved by running away from it. No problem is ever solved by running away from it. I think Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6, they give a healthy prescription for foolish impulsiveness. And they say this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. When we pray for wisdom and seek guidance of the Lord in prayer, it gives us time to think and to make a decision about it. And we are open to the leading of the Lord then. That is a way of wisdom. And Solomon is saying, folly can make you behave impulsively. Foolishness can make you behave impulsively. So in verses 1 through 4, we saw that foolishness can bring disgrace to life. Then there's a second warning about foolishness that Solomon wants to give us. And that is in verses 5 through 7. They say that foolishness can unsettle a society. Foolishness can unsettle a society. Firstly, foolishness can bring disgrace to your life and foolishness can unsettle a society. There is an enormous danger and there's an enormous damage that can be done to a society or to a nation by corrupt and incompetent people sitting in positions of authority. And Solomon explains this by listing two things for us. Number one, He says, the ruler negligently put fools in important positions. The ruler negligently put fools in important positions. Look at verses 5 and 6. There is an evil that I've seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. 
Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. It's actually become a national pastime these days to talk about how elected government officials are acting in foolishness. These officials who have been elected, they hire others to work for them. And many are given high positions because of who they know, not because of what they know. Did you hear me? Many of them are hired by these elected officials not because of what they know, not because of knowledge, not because of the capabilities, but because of who they know. And many do not belong in leadership positions or positions of honor. Many others, regardless of wealth, are better prepared to lead with wisdom, but they are not in such positions. How many times have we seen this in life, that somebody with a great talent establishes a company and the company is very successful, or a ministry for that matter. And by God's grace and the hard work that has been put in by the visionary, the ministry is very successful. But more often than not in our lives, what we see is that person wants to pass it on to his son or to his son-in-law who is incompetent. We also often see that friends and relatives are put in positions of power, but those who actually have the capabilities to run a business or to run the government wisely are those who have little status. When I look at the modern-day world, I'm also stunned at how important titles are to people. Titles at work. It could have nothing to do with your responsibility. It could not change your responsibility. It will not affect your work. It will not affect your income. But a title is something that gives us pride all the time. And that is foolishness, is what Solomon is saying. So Solomon says, you can find people in very high positions, in very powerful, uh, powerful positions, even as kings and leaders who are essentially foolish, while you find men with resources, with intelligence, with wealth and wise and hardworking people, and nobody is listening to them. They are not in a position of leadership. Secondly, Solomon says that the ruler's error results in a chaotic society. The ruler's error results in a chaotic society. Look at verse 7. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. This is an image that came out of Solomon's culture. Only the wealthy and important people rode on horses. The unwealthy or the people who are poor and other uh, unimportant people, they always walked on the road. And here he is seeing a situation that has been reversed because the society is filled with folly and there are fools dwelling in high places. The social order of which Solomon assumes and approves is that everyone has and knows his right place in the society. And yet, much to his horror, he sees slaves who are riding on horses when they should be walking, and people who are supposed to be in high places, there are princes who are walking here uh, in Solomon's day. Robert Davidson illustrates it this way, and listen to this very carefully. He says, it is as if he had seen someone driving up in the U.S. to a social security office in a Rolls Royce to collect his welfare check, while someone who naturally moved in the social elite could not afford a taxi fare back to his home. It seems as though Solomon is concerned about the society that has turned upside down. He is describing a chaos in the society, a society without God. So Solomon gave us two warnings about folly. And how folly could affect us. Firstly, foolishness can bring disgrace to life. And the second thing that he talked about is that foolishness can unsettle a society. 
Then there's a third warning he'd like to give us about folly, and that is in verses 8 through 11. And they say that foolishness can ruin your plans. Foolishness can ruin your plans. We've all heard that old saying, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. What that means is that foolish people often take paths in life without calculating the danger, and these ill-advised paths all um, sometimes lead to self-destruction. These ill-advised paths sometimes lead to self-destruction. And Solomon gives two insights about it. Firstly, he says, folly does not guard against danger. Look at verses 8 and 9. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him um, who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. In these two verses, Solomon is describing people who are doing their work and who are injured at their workplaces because of their foolishness, because of their folly. The first one here, he dug a pit. Perhaps he wanted to build a well or dig a well, or perhaps he wanted to trap an animal for food. In the days of Solomon, one of the tactics of warfare was that they would dig up a pit and they would cover it up with limbs and, uh, and, and, and leaves as well, so that when the enemy comes and attacks them, they would fall into it automatically. But sometimes the soldiers would forget where they dug up the pit, and they would automatically fall into it themselves when they dug the pit for the enemies. And that's what Solomon is talking about here. You know, I heard the funny story of a pallbearer, or somebody who was tasked to be a pallbearer in the U.S. So it was a double grave that was dug up. One, was, uh, one casket was already in the grave. It had been put there some time ago. And uh, he was carrying the second casket that had to be entered into the grave and put on top of the first casket. And all of a sudden, he slipped and he fell with a thud into the dead bones and dead flesh of the first casket that was sitting there. The point is, it's important to watch where you're walking. Otherwise, we might end up in a place prematurely. So in another verse, in verse 9 here, Solomon is also, sorry, verse 8. Solomon is talking about a person who is breaking through a wall. It's like a stone fence. And as he is breaking through a wall, he was bitten by a snake. You know, in those days, and probably today as well, snakes often hide themselves in holes and crevices along stone walls. And he should have been aware of it, is what Solomon is saying. Another person that Solomon is talking about worked at a rock quarry, and he got injured. If you remember, Solomon was in charge of a massive project, construction project that he took up, and that was a temple. And he charged 80,000 people to work at the rock, rock quarry. If you read 1 Kings uh, 5, you will come to know about it. I'm pretty sure at least one of the 80,000 workers probably suffered a setback. Now, can you imagine as a king hearing the news that one person or a couple of them at the rock quarry died while working for the temple? And lastly, Solomon also mentions a man who was injured while splitting wood. All these proverbs, they speak about the danger of foolish workers. How many times we've experienced pain because of carelessness in our activities or careless mistakes that we have committed. All these tasks that require, uh, that require care also require precautions. Hours and hours of focused, careful work can be outweighed just because of one slip or one misstep. When we are careless, 
or fail to be diligent, catastrophe can be close by. Now, all these have, ha, uh, do have practical implications, but they also have spiritual implications as well. Solomon isn't simply giving us advice for how not to get injured at work, but he's also asking us to be careful in the daily experiences because it'll cause us to sin, it'll cause us to fall into sin. A fool who wants to catch someone in a trap will be caught there himself. That was the story of Daniel's accusers. Daniel's accusers wanted to uh, put Daniel in a lion's den, but they themselves ended up being eaten by the lions. That was the same thing with uh, Haman as well in the book of Esther. He wanted to hang Mordecai, but the gallows that he had set up was the one on which he was hung himself ultimately. So foolishly intent on seeking harm to others can easily uh, have harm falling on us. Stay away from sin. Be careful of silly mistakes. And Satan loves to ruin reputations and witness through silly mistakes. We can always, we can always uh, think about not being careless and be mindful of the fact that we ought not to be careless. That's the first thing that Solomon is talking about. Secondly, he says, folly neglects the importance of adequate preparation. Folly neglects the importance of adequate preparation. Look at verses 10 and 11. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. Now, these two verses indicate that fools are so quick to go about their work. Fools are so quick to go about their work. They are so hasty in their work that they do not do adequate preparation for it. So he mentions the fool here is chopping with a dull axe. And what does a wise man do? He would have sharpened the axe before going and chopping the wood. A wise man works smart, but not hard. You know, when I was in school, there was a huge eucalyptus tree in our backyard. And we wanted to get it cut. And if somebody cut it with a wrong angle, it would have fallen on our kitchen and destroyed the kitchen wall. But we called the person to cut it, and he came with all of his equipment, and he measured all the angles and everything. He took about an hour before he actually cut it. It was a huge eucalyptus tree. And all of our neighbors, all of us as kids were standing around and watching, and he measured the angles, and he cut it in such a way that there was only so much space for it to fall. It fell exactly in the place where it was supposed to fall. Planning. Planning was amazing in this. And that feat drew an automatic applause from all of us who were standing around. And now he talks about a snake charmer. Snake charmers were very common entertainers in, in, in Solomon's day. And this is how it worked. Snakes don't have external ears. It is not so much the music that is played that is making them dance or sway around, but it is the control that this man is exerting by, by moving his head in a particular direction. And so he is saying, Solomon here is saying that this man, the snake charmer, could not keep the serpent under control. It was not, not an art for him. So there is wisdom in preparing slowly. There is wisdom in preparing diligently for what we are called to do. We need to sharpen our tools. We need to get ready in our trade and learning more and more for, God, for what God wants us to do. So Solomon is saying that folly neglects the importance of adequate preparation. So in this small passage, what is Solomon's point completely? The whole passage basically says that wisdom, despite its limits, 
is essential to counter the folly that characterizes the world. Wisdom, despite its limits, is essential to counter the folly that characterizes life in the world. Avoid folly and pursue and practice wisdom. It reduces the friction in life and helps a person succeed. Thank you very much for your patience. May, may the Lord bless you all. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for your word from the writings of Solomon. As we've been studying and meditating over the last two years, we come to this passage where he says that although wisdom has limitations, we ought not to go into folly because folly does have dangers as well. Help us to take heed and uh, help us to listen to your word and understand that we ought not to get into foolishness and help us to understand what real foolishness is, not walking in the ways of the Lord and not taking God seriously. We want to thank you for speaking to us this morning, and we also pray for the rest of the activities today, the fellowship, the sisters meeting, and everything. We pray that you would bless the time and give it to us as you honor your son in everything that we do. In Jesus' name.